Welcome to Maker Mom, a podcast where I explore the stories of maker moms and the life they lead. Each week, I will bring you the behind-the-scenes story of a new maker mom. I'm Katie Freeman, a furniture designer and content creator running FreemanFurnishings.com and your host of the Maker Mom podcast. You can find Maker Moms hanging out in the Facebook community at Maker Moms and on the web at MakerMomPodcast.com. If you love what you hear, please subscribe, leave a stellar review, and share this out with other Maker Moms you know. Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Maker Mom podcast. This week's guest is McKenna from Neat and Navy Blue. Now McKenna lives in my home state of Iowa, so you already know that she's like awesome, right? Um, And really when I started my business two years ago, uh, Freeman Furnishings, I ran into people everywhere who, who knew who Neat and Navy Blue Uh, was. So I knew all along when I started this podcast that I really wanted to get McKenna on here um, because I would consider her kind of a local celebrity in the making world within Iowa and I really enjoy talking with her and learning all about her journey. Um, And towards the end you will hear a little bit of background noise because her littlest one, her four-year-old, just couldn't make it the whole interview without checking out what was going on. But that's absolutely fine because, hey, that's what this podcast is all about, right? You're not just a maker, but you're also a mom. But before I let you guys hear all about McKenna's journey, I do want to put out another reminder that um, Maker Mom Podcast has a Patreon page. So if you want to officially join the Maker Mom tribe, uh, go ahead and check that out. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Maker Mom Podcast. There's three different tier levels. None of them will uh, break the bank, I promise you. And uh, by becoming any tier level, you'll have access to all sorts of additional content um, in addition to just the podcast. So why don't you go ahead and go over there and check it out and become an official member. Also going to throw out there, um, I can't take full credit for this, but during my interview with another upcoming guest, we talked about how great it would be to basically, if we could have an online meetup of Maker Moms to help reduce some of the isolation that can happen, especially if you're a stay-at-home mom and maker. And so I think I really want to do that and commit to doing that uh, once a month, doing an online Maker Mom meetup for uh, patrons, for Maker Mom patrons, official members of the tribe. So again, check that out. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Maker Mom podcast. All right. With no further ado, I will let you guys listen in on McKenna's journey. McKenna, thank you very much again for agreeing to be a guest on the Maker Mom podcast. Sure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So why don't we go ahead and start uh, with you giving just a brief introduction um, about yourself uh, so everyone kind of knows a little bit more about who you are. Sure. Um, I My name is McKenna, and my business is Navy Blue, which was 
actually named by my son, who's eight now, and I have a daughter who's five. Um, we live out in rural southeast Iowa on a farm, and I started Neat Navy Blue about, gosh, I guess it's five years ago, and I did it because I was a stay-at-home mom, and I was finding that I needed some kind of outlet to get away from all the kids stuff and kind of do my own thing. And it just kind of spiraled from there. I bought my first piece of furniture. My mom bought it for me actually at Stuff and my dad helped me fix it up. And I was like, wow, I really like this. And so I did another piece and another piece. And then a friend was like, hey, we do this piece. And then it just kind of went on. And now it's evolved to something completely different than furniture. And it's been fun to see how it's kind of changed in the last five years. So, yeah, it sounds like uh, quite a journey. Um, do you want to go into a little bit about what you're, what do you make now as part of Neat and Navy? Yep. So I, so when I started doing furniture, I did my first market and it was, there was just furniture. There was no fun stuff, no little stuff, no anything like that. And I was like, well, I need to incorporate something else to sell. So I, you know, was picking at um, garage sales and stuff for little things. And then I was like, well, I'll just start making candles because why not? And so I did a bunch of research and got all my ducks in a row and started doing that. And they took off. Um, and I continued to do markets with furniture and home decor and my candles. And then that has gotten to be, um, I actually hit like a little creative wall in my furniture painting. And I decided to put that on the back burner, pursue candles. So for the last solid year and a half, I've been doing candles full time and I do wholesale and I'm in a store in the mall and another store in downtown Iowa city. And it's been fun to finally got my website up. Um, so it's been fun to finally like see that coming and growing stronger. Yeah, that's, that's uh, really great. And I'm glad you brought up the creative wall too, because I think we all hit that at some point in time. So, Oh yeah. Diversifying like yourself a, is good. Mine was a brick wall. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's go back maybe a little bit further. And um, what was your, your childhood like? Uh, my childhood was, well, I guess typical for, um, a divorced family. I grew up in Texas and then, uh, my dad actually moved here to Iowa when I was five to go back to school. Um, and through the years in a roundabout way, that's kind of how we ended up back here. But my mom has, I mean, she's got an eye for putting a room together and she's super stylish. And my dad is jack of all trades, can build anything. So I think from her and him, I just, I got the best of both worlds and, um, and created pretty creative that way. So, so thanks mom and dad. <laughs> um, did you do any kind of creative hobbies or outlets like in, in high school and stuff? Um, no, uh, <laughs> high school was a little rough for me. Um, I wasn't really, I'm just, I was a horrible student. So, I didn't really realize my 
um, I guess my creative value until I was, you know, well into my thirties and it only came out because of, you know, wanting an outlet to, um, kind of be an adult away from my children. So, so I didn't really, yeah, I wasn't even realized that I was that, you know, that it was a passion of mine until I was an adult, very adult. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, did you do any, uh, like post high school education and have a, no. did you have a career at all before, um, kiddos? So I worked, um, at BioLife Plasma Center as a phlebotomist for six years there. And then after I got married and we had our first child and I decided to stay home. And so it's been, yeah, so eight years now, my oldest is eight. So in about five of those years, five years ago, I started the neat navy blue thing. So. Okay. Well, awesome. Um, so you said your son gave you the name, right? For neat and navy blue. Can you yes. tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So I was out in our shop and I was painting um, a piece that was navy blue and he was four at the time and he came out um, and he opened the door to the shop. And the first thing he said was, Oh mommy, that's so neat in his, you know, sweet little toddler voice. And at that time I didn't have a name yet. And we were like, you know, what should it be? And, you know, throwing things around or whatever. And I knew I wanted something that was um, kind of neutral. So if I did, you know, decide to do something else down the road that I, it would just grow with me. And um, so my husband suggested something with that. And that's just how it came about. It's just kind of stuck. I love that story. That's a really awesome story. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So you talked already a bit about, you know, how long you've been doing this and how you got started. Um, but when you got started, did you intend on turning it into a business? No, no, no. Um, it was just for fun. It was just something to do. And like I said, I, I did my first piece and then <clears throat> I realized how much I liked it. And I scoured the internet for all of the, you know, I just read all the blogs, watched all the videos, um, decided that I wanted to work with milk paint specifically, um, started <clears throat> experimenting with that. My dad would make up boards um, with different finishes on them. And then I would, you know, go through and like decide how I was going to prep the board and how the milk paint, because milk paint's a lot different than chalk paint. I don't know if anybody maybe doesn't know that, but chalk paint will basically stick to anything without it being prepped a whole lot. And milk paint is a lot different. Um, you have to prep it properly to, you know, achieve the look that you're going for. So I did a lot of research on how to achieve those certain looks and I had a lot of error. <laughs> Actually, there's still pieces in our shop um, that need to be just stripped because they're just awful. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a trial and error. And then, you know, I think my mother-in-law um, recommended, you know, said, I have a friend that wants something done. You know, can you do that? And I was like, yeah, sure. And then they wanted to pay me and I was like, wait, what? And <laughs> so it just kind of went from there. So. Okay. So that was maybe like the, the point where you realized it could be a business. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, because my husband's like, you can't just keep painting everybody's stuff for <laughs> for free. So, um, so yeah, I just, uh, 
like I said, I did my first show and I didn't, it was actually the what chair flea market, if you know yep. that. And that's just not a place where you take finished stuff. And so right. if I had a dime for all the information I gave out, I, you know, I would have done really well, but I only <laughs> sold, I think two pieces of furniture. So that was a little, you know, disheartening and discouraging. Um, but then I realized like, why would I even, why did I even go to the watch your flea market? I've been there. I know what people go there for, which is junk. So, um, but I didn't let that actually that's after that weekend, I was like, well, I better get a Facebook page so I can try and sell all this furniture that I made that I didn't sell at the market. So I made a Facebook page and just started advertising on Craigslist. And, uh, I don't even think marketplace was around back then. Um, and I ended up selling every single piece that I had made for what cheerfully market on Craigslist. So that like definitely boosted me back up. And, and so then I set out to find a more appropriate market. So. <clears throat> yeah, I think that um, is a struggle. I definitely understand finding the right market yeah. for your pieces is really right. hard actually. <laughs> it is. It is hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, definitely. Especially with furniture. I feel like mm -hmm. uh, furniture, you know, I think you could almost go to any market if you do small items, small handcrafted mm -hmm. items, mm -hmm. can fit in very well in a bunch of different places. Right. But right. furniture's tough. <laughs> it is tough. Everybody, um, the few, I guess, if I would call them mentors, um, they would say their bread and butter was all custom work. And I, I hate custom work. I don't, I get anxious. Like you're bringing me your grandmother's buffet and you want me to paint it. What if I mess it up? What if it doesn't go right? What if you hate the color? There's just so much. I did a few custom pieces in the beginning and I was like, my stress level can't handle, <laughs> it couldn't handle it because, and then plus not only was I doing furniture, I felt like I was putting my brand out there, my aesthetic. So I didn't really want to put my name on something that I didn't truly, truly love and create myself. So I kind of, I turned down a lot of custom stuff because of that. And I probably shouldn't have, but it, it is what it is. Um, and so then, you know, then it becomes even more of a challenge to sell it because, you know, maybe some people, you know, my stuff, I'm very neutral and I know like color is a big, it's coming back really big right now, but um so yeah so that was kind of a hurdle not doing custom work yeah um I'm along the same lines I don't really like taking custom work um but I will if mm -hmm. I have a bit of freedom you know if it's kind of like they're more like I want it just this size but you know you go ahead right. and design it however you want to design it Right. I'll take those, but yes. um, I was the exact same way. Yeah. yeah. I was like, if there's like, why don't you flip through my pictures? And then if something, you know, if you are inspired by something, then we'll go that direction. But I wasn't, I couldn't, you know, if somebody wanted, Oh, I want this dresser like super chippy. And I was, I can't promise you that because mm -hmm. I don't know what the, you know, you think you prep a piece and then you're going for a chippy look and the paint sticks everywhere and you have no chipping mm -hmm. and then it's the opposite. You want a solid coverage and then the whole thing's chipping everywhere. So it's, yeah. you can, <laughs> I couldn't, you know, guarantee those results. So just wanted to stay away from 
disappointing anybody. Right. Yep. And especially, I mean, if you're redoing older pieces, um, I mean, historically you can gain some knowledge about the probable finish that they used, but it's never a guarantee what finish they used on that piece. Right. You know, pieces that I were, that I was doing were all, I never, I've never painted a true antique. These were all, um, mass produced pieces from the thirties, forties, and fifties. Um, there were kind of a dime a dozen back then. Um, people would get so upset. Why did you paint that? What are you doing? But I don't think that they understand that something from the thirties is not an antique. No, it's really not special. Um, Mm -hmm. a lot of the times they had, they were made with the most cheap materials, um, and put, you know, veneer finishes on them. So, um, so maybe if somebody's listening that doesn't like painted furniture, <laughs> that will help calm you down a little bit. Like most people that paint furniture that I know, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's kind of like Ikea furniture is today for us, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of mass produced on that level. So we're not really messing up antiques. So everybody can calm down. But. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't, um, I don't do a ton of refinishing just because it is. Mm-hmm too tedious for me to It is to it's do. hard. I know. Um, I, I can't yeah. keep focus either. <laughs> um, but I did do one piece and it was, but just like you said, I mean, it, it was this woman's like grandmother's furniture, but it was clearly from like the 1940s mass produced mm-hmm. and I didn't paint it. Um, she just wanted it like, you know, basically mm-hmm. stripped and, and redone and, type of yeah. thing. But that is something I struggled with with that piece because it's like, the veneer is so super thin and like getting through the finish and being able to like live, like be proud of the refinish job that I did um, and not ruining that veneer and trying to make it look, mm-hmm. you know, basically like it came from the right. store. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not as easy as people think it is to refinish furniture. It's, it's really not. No. It's, it's pretty difficult. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, uh, I really like though that you use milk paint as far as paint goes. I'm a I'm a big fan of milk paint. Um, I've used fun. it. Yeah, I've used it on some of my uh, kids' furniture that I've mm-hmm. made for my two, and I like to do the whole layered effect and then sand sand through the colors and yep. you know give it the that dimensions. feel. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Get that feel that it really is an old piece, even though it's brand new um, but yeah yeah I like milk paint a lot um, and sometimes I've used it just as like a wash to to mm-hmm. add a little color so it's like super super thin um, yeah it's almost like stain yeah of. yep it just I've absorbs done into the wood yep so I've done that too especially on barn wood projects mm-hmm. like because you know prepping the wood I basically make it new again and people right. when they buy barn wood stuff usually right. want that appeal but I'm like well I'm gonna remove the lead paint so you don't have something (laughs) like toxic in your home but but still like reapply a very thin layer of the milk paint to get that Mm -hmm. that effect or that color like that um so when you did kind of make that switch to turning it into a business uh did you feel intimidated at all by that choice? Oh, f- for sure. Yes, definitely. 
um, always second guessing myself still to this. I mean, I, I think we all probably do it. Um, it wasn't until I got some feedback from, I think, um, it was one of the ladies from general finishes milk paint company started following me on Instagram and I was like, okay, that's cool. And then <clears throat> a little while later, um, you know, like Miss Mustard Seed reshared one of my, like reposted one of my pictures and you just kind of, all of that definitely gives you, you know, a boost. And so I was like, okay, maybe this is legit. Um, and then especially, and then when people would ask for custom stuff, I was like, okay, people like my stuff. And, um, so yeah, it, it was very intimidating. So right now, would you say like, what would be your split between as far as like your sales and interaction from social media based on like, uh, retail, like brick and mortar retail space? What do you think your split is what do you mean my split like um do you do more on social media as far as sales and stuff or is it more in the brick and mortar places uh, so i guess my um my main source of income from candles right now is wholesale um mainly because my friends are like ridiculously supportive and kind of got the ball rolling for that all I have three really amazing friends and they all order wholesale from me um and so they've kind of spread the word and then um all of my internet sales according to like my Shopify um you know stats they all come from in Instagram so um it's just an asset so uh and then um the two brick and mortars that I can sign in, um, they blow my internet sales out of the water. So, um, so I'm trying to get the internet sales to kind of match that or whatever. So, so you're, you have the Shopify website for yes. internet sales and then do you sell through Facebook too? Uh, no, okay. I don't. I, um, I, I mean, there's a shop button. Where you mm -hmm. can, but that then that takes you to my website. So. Okay, I got yeah. you. All right. Um, did you start out with just Facebook though, and mm -hmm. and doing well, I, that? I'd right? have I'd had Instagram for since forever, since the beginning of Instagram, and it was just you know my personal life and and my house and stuff like that. And then I went back and forth with should I start a new Instagram for my you know, solely for my business or, you know, kind of that. And I just decided to go with the same one because I mean, really my family and my home life and all that, it's all integrated. It's not separate. I mean, my kids put all the warning labels on the bottom of my candle jars and, you know, so they're very much a part of, not every single time, but sometimes they want to help out and that's, that's what they do. Um, so I just decided to keep that one. And I'm glad I did because I did have a decent amount of following before I, you know, had the business. So I just kind of carried that on. I'm starting an Instagram for just your business. I mean, that's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of work building up the, the momentum of people following you. So I had definitely had that in my advantage. 
that I had already had. I think I did a Instagram. I don't even know if they do it anymore, but they have a weekend hashtag project where um, they give you a hashtag or, you know, a topic or whatever. And then you take a picture of it and hashtag it. And I took a picture of my dog in some snow, just random for the whatever hashtagged it and it got picked by Instagram. So they, you know, reshared it or whatever. And then overnight I had like 1500 new followers and I was like, holy cow, you know? So that was long before the business though. And then, you know, every time Miss Mustard Seed would reshare something, I'd gain a few. And then Crystal from Old Barn Milk Paint came into my life. She's wonderful. Um, she asked me to be a brand rep for her, which, okay, yes, absolutely. Her milk is, or her milk paint is, is great. Um, and so she built her company. It seemed like overnight. I think when she contacted me, she had a few thousand followers. Um, and then I think she's probably at like 20,000 now. And that's just over the course of a couple of years. So every time she would reshare something, obviously that would. So it's really a community effort <laughs> to get your name out there. No, I think that's a great, um, a great point. So that's the, um, the old barn milk paint is the kind of milk uh -huh. paint that I use. Um, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really awesome. What I loved about what you said there is it's like one woman owned business supporting another woman owned business. And yes, um, yes. that's kind of like my, my personal goal is to, you know, be able to help maybe help others make contacts like that. So we can build this community of like right. women helping women. Right. Um, Cause I think that's, I think that's a key thing that we need to start working on as a community. I agree. Um, all right. So what um, do you do any uh, work like woodworking work to, or did you when you were working with the furniture to fix stuff as well? Like if there was a something you know broken or I could do minor stuff um, like put drawers back together and um, you know fix tracks and stuff like that. My dad would help me a lot with um, the heavy lifting, I guess if you want to call it that. Um, so yeah, so for the minor or the little stuff, I could. Um, figure it out usually it would call him and he would guide me through it but until I you know got a few more under my belt I could do them by myself but he helped me quite a bit with that kind of stuff and then I for a while I was making well the signs are very popular with the words on them or whatever mm -hmm. and I uh, bless their heart because I cannot figure out my my silhouette cutter I could I wanted to throw it against the wall a few times so I was like okay well that's not going to work out so I did I ended up doing just patterned paper um and those you know went really well um especially if you style it with something else that has words on it and so I was making my own frames um and I like mitered my corners or whatever and I was super proud of that like the first, you know, like the first one I made was awful. And then they started getting better and better and better. And so I've done that kind of woodworking stuff. But it's just very simple stuff. Okay. Um, so what, 
how do you manage being, you know, an active mom of two, um, a maker and a businesswoman all at the same time? Um, it, th- some days are harder than others. There's, um, you know, my son is eight, so he's in school full time. And then Charlie, my daughter, she goes half days and then she's off on Fridays. Um, so we just kind of work it out. And I usually, um, do all my work after she goes to school try to cram it in you know before dinner time uh but when I you know would be in market mode and preparing for market there was many days where you know the iPad became (laughs) um our best friend and you know she would sit there in the shop while I was frantically trying to get everything ready so it's um you know you do what you have to do and you make it work and hopefully they look back and remember how I would hang out with them before they had to go to school before I started or how I would let them help me because they do they love to help and they were always asking for to do stuff so I think I shared a video a little while ago of Charlie like she was adjusting the clothespins on top of the candles um which she loves to do but it's just a little extra work because then I have to go back and readjust and center all the wicks that she just did but it's she loves it so you know you let them do that stuff right yep that's awesome what would you say is your favorite part about being a maker just seeing your finished product and hearing the feedback from people about it they love them that smells so good you know all that stuff that's my favorite part okay um yeah, we have one of your candles, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you kind of mentioned at the start, you know, you started making as a way of kind of, uh, I guess, an, ident- an identity for mm-hmm. yourself or time to yourself. Um, is that still the case today? Does that feel um, part of the reason still why you're a maker? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think, um, well, since I didn't go to college, so I never really had, like, the career career that I was focused on. And then my husband has a business. um, And so he was always kind of, you know, I mean, he still is the breadwinner or whatever. and, And I just kind of felt like I needed something of my own besides just being a mom and a wife. And so I definitely, now that I'm, you know, in my fifth year, um, I feel like I'm finally contributing, like, you know, not just a little bit here and there, but significantly. So, uh, I definitely still feel, yeah, that way. Okay. Um, do you foresee like this new path you've gone, you've started on, you know, you're doing, um, the candles mainly. Do you, Uh, have anything else you got your eye on in the future to maybe get into making wise? Um, no, not, not that I can think of. Nothing comes to mind. I just want to keep, you know, growing my candles and maybe add, uh, experiment with new jars and vessels and stuff like that. I would, I do want to paint again and I get a lot of questions from people that follow me like why are you not painting and I feel like I should probably put out a PSA um 
like a post about, you know, why I haven't been. Um, but then I kind of feel like that makes it official. <laughs> I don't want it to be official. I want it, you know, I do, I do. That's why I haven't changed my bio. My mom was like, you need to change your bio on Instagram because, you know, it says furniture painter, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you're not doing that anymore. And I was like, yeah, but if I do that, then that just, that means it's over. And I don't want it to be over. I'm just, I'm waiting for that day that I walk out to the shop and just get that overwhelming urge to paint something like I used to every single day. So I'm hope like if that could come back, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It sounds like maybe uh, you just maybe hit a point of a little bit of burnout too. Mm -hmm. um, I was, I was burnt out and I think just <clears throat> maybe discouraged a little bit. The It just seemed like there's so many people that are doing it. And I kind of like felt like I lost my voice. Like I, you know, you look at Pinterest and you look at Instagram and you see all these beautiful things that other people are doing. And I was like, am I being true to myself or am I following the trends? Am I picking up on everybody else's work and incorporating, you know? So I was like, I want to be authentic. I mean, everybody wants to be authentic. Um, and so that's kind of why I stepped back in the beginning because I was, I want people to see my work and know that it's my work. And I kind of felt like I was just kind of blending in with everybody else, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's just kind of how I, why I stopped, I got backed off or whatever. And then I, then the candles, you know, and then I was like, well, I have to do something. So, um, so I started, you know, doing that full time and that it, it's just taken off like, like crazy. So I got to run with it. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that makes, makes total sense. I think it's a common, I don't want to say trap, but um, situation that you can get in as a maker. Like I look at things on Instagram or Pinterest for inspiration, but I have to stay like very cognizant of like, right okay, if I like that one aspect about that one piece, how do I make it mine? Like your own. Yeah. yeah. How do I turn it into, cause nobody wants to like just be a copycat, right? You want right. to have your own <laughs> sense of, of, of style. So yeah. And, and I don't think we're alone there and maybe it's a little bit of information overload. Right. These days, you know, definitely There's just yeah. so much out there. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite part about being a mom? Oh, just, just watching them learn and grow and the funny things that they say. And it's stressful, like keeping them, you know, I just want to keep them safe and you hope you're doing a good job. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're just, just seeing them interact with each other. I was an only child. So for them to be, and they hate each other, which I, you know, here I had this dream that my kids were just going to love each other and brother and sister and so close. And my husband's like, no, that's not how it is. He's got two brothers. He's like, we used to beat each other up all the time. So that was an adjustment. Um, but yeah, just watching them grow and, and, um, become, you know, independent and seeing their personalities develop and it's been, you know, I love that part. So. Yeah, definitely. And I'm with you. I was like an only child until I was almost 17. So I did see a little bit of my, my little sisters are twins. So I got to see a little bit, uh, you know, in my younger days of seeing them bicker a bit, but yeah, um, my two are 
five and five and a half and uh, three just in a couple of weeks. And they lo- it's a love hate relationship yeah. for sure. De- yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, what have, what has been some of the biggest challenges you've had to face as a maker and entrepreneur? Um, well, finding time. Um, I've like, I, I've been counting down, not that it, that sounds horrible that I'm counting down until Charlie's in school full time, <laughs> but I, I mean, I had, you know, I kind of have because I think, wow, when I have a full you know, eight, 10, 12 hour day to commit to this without a break, you know, without having to get lunch or play Barbies or take her to school or whatnot, you know, how that's, I'm going to be so efficient and I'm going to be, you know, just knocking it out. So I guess that would be, you know, the biggest challenge, just, especially now I heat my wax up and then, you know, it's 1130 and I have to take her into town to go to school. So I have to turn it off. And it, I mean, it takes like, you know, it takes a, a little while to heat up. Um, so just little things like that, kind of working out your day around, you know, two other people's schedule, trying to fit it all in. So. Yeah. Yeah. That is definitely a difficult thing to manage. And um, my oldest is in school full time, but my youngest too, but um, she goes to a Montessori preschool oh, sure. all day which is nice. Um, but even then it's like, I, I'm with you. I'm still kind of counting down to when she is in school full time. Um, okay. So what do you want or what do you hope that your kids learn from watching you, you know, have this kind of creative, um, entrepreneurship going? Um, my biggest thing I think, um, is that, you know, like our grandparents, their grandparents will talk about, oh, when you're in college and, you know, you have to do this and uh, no, you don't, you know, I'm, I didn't go to college. I didn't, um, you know, have a great career that I put on hold for this. I kind of stumbled into it and, you know, through just hard work and, you know, you kind of make it happen or whatever. Um, and my, my husband has been, you know, I don't know if I could have done this without him. Um, I'd like to think that I could, but, you know, unless I was in that situation, I don't know. But, yeah, so just that you don't have to, you know, grow up and be a doctor. You know, it's okay if you're not, you know, the perfect student. You know, you will find your way. You'll find something that you're passionate about, and you can make it work. So, I think that's a really good perspective to have, right? less pressure about right. um, what they have to do. <laughs> right. Um, what would be your advice to a mom who wants to tackle a new skill, you know, such as making or DIY or whatever, but is, is hesitant to get started? Um, I guess just go for it. Like you never know what will come of it. And if you fail, then, try the next thing that's on your list and research, um, research, 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 watch all the videos, read all the blogs, you know, learn from other people's mistakes. There's so much information out there on everything that you can, you know, do just about anything and reach out, reach out to other moms, other makers, 
Um, I love sharing information. I love when people reach out to me. My husband's always like, why are you telling people your secrets? And I'm like, you know, I always just say there's enough furniture for everybody. Um, it's not, you know, we're, there's just, there's enough wax for everybody. You know, we can all do our thing. Um, I mean, the candle market is even more oversaturated than furniture. So um, that's all I would say is just reach out to people and, and, um, oh, she didn't make it the whole time. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that would be my advice. Okay. And I think that's good advice. Do you have, when you talked about researching, <laughs> when, you, when you talked about researching, do you have like a favorite source or, or um, resource that you like to use for doing research for a project you have in mind? No, really. I just, I, you know, I Google whatever is there and I just start sifting through everything um, and try to find some, you know, blogs that seem like they know what they're talking about and mm -hmm. <laughs> kind mm -hmm. of thing. Or uh, a lot of times if you're buying supplies from, um, you know, websites, they have tutorials. Mm -hmm. I would always watch those. Like Miss Mustard Seed had tons of tutorials on how to achieve certain looks. And Candle Science has a ton of information to get you started. So a lot of the times you can look on those too to see if the actual supplier has information on how to use their stuff. That's a very, very valuable point there. Yes. Um, okay, so how can people find out more about you? Where can people go to find you? Um, my website is neatnavyblue.com. And then, of course, Instagram is also neatnavyblue. Um, I'd say I'd share my most on Instagram. Uh, I've been kind of MIA lately. I, tra transitioning from furniture to candles kind of got me in a, a slump. I'm not sure. Um, mm -hmm. I just need to get a handle on it. And, uh, but yeah, that's how I share my most information on Instagram. And then I also have a Facebook too. So <laughs> it's okay. Really, truly. <laughs> okay. Um, well, thank you, McKenna, again, yeah. for taking the time to uh, talk with me today and share more about your, your journey into becoming a maker. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I was very flattered when you reached out. <laughs> Good. And I think uh, people will learn a lot um, from listening to this about your journey oh, and, and stuff. So, you. yeah. Hope so. Yeah. <laughs> wow. What a great episode. What a great interview with McKenna. I really enjoyed learning all about her journey um, and how she's diversified her product offerings and, and where that's all taking her. So you can find out how to connect with McKenna, Neat Navy Blue, uh, in the show notes, again, if you go to www.makermompodcast.com, currently it's going to redirect you to Freeman Furnishings homepage, but right there, if you hit podcast right in the upper left-hand corner, that will take you to the show notes for this episode and all the previous episodes. So go ahead and go check that out. Now, before I forget, I do want to start talking about that I'm going to be at WorkbenchCon 
uh, coming up mid-February. So if any of you are also going to be there, please make sure that you find me, introduce yourself, um, tell me that you um, are a listener of the podcast, what you think about it, and make sure to get a Maker Mom sticker as well. All right, and one last uh, reminder to go check out Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, dot com forward slash maker mom podcast uh, to learn how to become a tribe an official tribe member get your own shout out at the start of the show and all kinds of other uh, bonuses for becoming a patron member of the podcast just so you know um, also this is my way of making sure that I don't need to go out and get sponsors and have to do commercial plugs in the middle of a podcast and whatnot uh, to keep this podcast going because I'm sure you guys are aware there are costs associated with it Um, and so that's why I wanted to go ahead and start Patreon page because I am definitely all about community and building community and I think that's one of the better ways to do that. All right so hope to see you at WorkbenchCon and until the next episode see you later. Thank you for listening to the Maker Mom podcast. You can connect with the Maker Mom community in the Facebook group page, Maker Moms. And remember, if you enjoyed listening to this episode, please subscribe, leave an awesome review, and share this out with other Maker Moms you know.